Thanks for tuning in to the Survival to Thrival podcast, based on the book series with the same name. I'm Helen Croydon, and I'm the interviewer of the biggest stars of the show, the two co-authors, Tehi Norm and Bob Tinker. Tehi and Bob are a duo of investor and entrepreneur. They have a long history of working together and have written two books together, aimed at founders and entrepreneurs striving to build enterprise startups. This podcast is based on the themes, advice and real world stories from their book series, Survival to Thrival. If you enjoyed this, please like it, subscribe or share it with your network. Well, last episode, we discussed the missing link for growth, that all-important go-to-market fit. This episode, we're focusing on a topic that's timely for everyone. In an economic downturn, how does that affect go-to-market fit? So, Bob, starting with you, what does an economic downturn do to go-to-market fit? An economic downturn or you know, significant economic change like the one we're going through right now has a fundamental impact on startups, both small and larger companies with finding go-to-market fit. And, you know, the punchline is that what used to work or was in the process of working just blows up. And every single one of the go-to-market fit fundamentals changes. The urgent pain for why buy now often changes. Who a startup's ICP is or ideal customer profile is may change. The go-to-market playbook and the wow, which is really fundamental to finding and winning customers in a repeatable way also changes. This is a big deal for every company and it can profoundly change how companies think about their go-to-market and even their product when all these go-to-market fit fundamentals change. Right. Tehi, why is so much of go-to-market fit impacted? Well, this particular economic downturn is different from others because uh, uh, it's all started because of the virus epidemic. And to stop the spread of the disease, we had to lock down society, you know, something we haven't done in over 100 years. And so this lockdown is really impacting demand. And so businesses like restaurants, live events, hotel, hospitality, travel are all seeing over 90 percent reduction in demand. This shutdown also blocks uh, standard go-to-market plays, such as just simply fit like meeting with customers, you know, having dinner together, uh, doing events. And, and so this uh, downturn is different because of the, the impact of the, the shutdown. Right. Okay. So, Bob, you mentioned all these um, fundamentals of go-to-market fit and why that, how they're impacted. So let's unpack those a little bit. You mentioned urgent pain, ICP, the playbook, and the wow factor. So can we start with the urgent pain? How does that change? Yeah, Helen, the, um, this really is the number one thing for startups and mid-sized companies that are facing significant changes in their go-to-market. And the number one thing is refinding the urgent pain. You know, an urgent pain, as answers that core question for a startup, like why are your customers and prospects going to buy now and not six months from now? It drives leads, it drives urgency, it fills the front of the funnel, and the rest of the sales process follows whatever you know that urgent pain led to. And in a market like this, customers' worlds have changed. You know, what was a priority for a customer before is often not a priority now. And interestingly, there are also then new priorities that didn't used to exist. So 
you know, the trick here is really understanding how your ICP and your world, customers' worlds have changed. You know, for example, like productivity in an upturned market is super important. In a downturn, customers are not that focused on productivity. They're more focused on things like cost savings or automated systems or building better resilience and, or an obvious one given what's going on right now, like distributed working. Um, so w- what's going on in a customer's world fundamentally drives what's going to answer the question, why buy now and not six months from now? And you know, there's actually an interesting potential source of additional urgency that was not there before, which is that uh, there are some customers in some industries where they're having to completely reinvent themselves going yeah. forward and transforming their business. And those types of transformations often create a big opportunity and source of urgency. And, you know, it's an opportunity to help them do that. But the biggest thing, like in all of this, like go talk to your customers and prospects, you know, understand what's going on in their world, what's driving them, ask lots of questions, look up, look down, look left, look right. Um, Often startups have a pretty strongly preconceived notion of what their urgent pain is and why they are who they are. And that may change in the face of an economic downturn that what used to work may no longer work. So go talk to customers and prospects. Yeah, that's that's good advice. Um, Tehi, can you give some examples of situations, uh, of any companies that you've worked with recently who found a new urgent pain? Yes, uh, we're seeing this across our portfolio. Um, give you a couple of examples. Uh, first is Talk to Us. It's a company that makes uh, cloud-based call center software. Uh, before the uh, uh, the shutdown, scaling was a, a big uh, a value proposition and uh, ur- uh, urgent pain related to cost reduction as well. Cost reduction being the uh, the primary pain point. Um, with the shutdown and the need now then to uh, maybe move all center from inside to having agents work remotely. So the ability to... Uh, um, move 5,000 agents from one building where they're all working to 5,000 agents working remotely in 24 hours became a new urgent pain and really drove uh, leads and demand. Another example is of a company, ours, uh, Moda, which makes uh, enterprise mobile apps. Uh, Before the shutdown, the enterprises all wanted a conference room reservation system built into the mobile app because, you know, you would have to reserve conference rooms to meet people. Mm -hmm. Now, that uh, uh, obviously, if people are working from home, you don't need a conference room reservation system. But instead, what they wanted was an ability to communicate with all of their employees mobily. Uh, over mobile. And so the communication function became absolutely critical. And now what we're seeing is, is that as enterprises are contemplating people returning back to work, what they want is a return to work app um, so that employees would know where to go, what the, uh, the new workflow rules, all that safety related to uh, returning to work. So following up on Bob said, which is the biggest thing is to go talk to customers and prospects, I would say is within that large group is to identify a subset of your most innovative customers who really are trying to find the right solution to this crisis for this time. Those will be the people that will help you find the right new urgent pain and their solution this time period. 
Right, right, and ask them what they want. Just help them with their endeavor. Yeah. Um, so, right, like, can we unpack the next stage uh, of this, the, the ICP that you mentioned? Bob, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that changes? Yeah, so the first go-to-market fit fundamental is finding the urgent pain. The second go-to-market fit fundamental is who is your ICP or ideal customer profile? And, you know, in the face of an economic downturn, obviously, if the urgent pain changes, you know, in many ways, your ICP can also change because your current ICP's world has changed. There may be a new ICP that you want to be engaging with that represents a better opportunity. Um, and this is much more of a challenge mentally, I found in running a company because companies often have a pretty precise idea of their ICP and it's almost like part of their vision and their culture. Like we serve this type of customer or we are here for this type of, you know, person inside our customers. And it becomes kind of hardwired into who you are and your identity. In a downturn like this, your ICP may change. Um, You know, part of it may be because at a company level, like entire industries aren't buying anymore, like travel and restaurants and universities and live entertainment. Um, you know, in rethinking who your ICP is, it's really important to get really clear about who is your buyer. That, you know, in this new world, you may find a new urgent pain with a new ICP that is really different from your historical buyer. You know, an example for Mobile Iron in the history is that. In 2008, in the economic downturn, uh, we found that productivity wasn't working that well. It wasn't a big urgent pain. But what was a big urgent pain was cost savings. Now, interestingly, Mm -hmm. the person inside our enterprise customers who was most focused on cost savings was actually the telecom department in the early days of mobility. So it actually changed our urgent pain and changed who our ICP was and those are both really big changes in terms of thinking about finding go-to-market fit and building a repeatable go-to-market playbook. So, uh, you know, my biggest advice on this one is try not to be hardwired about uh, the vision about who you serve. That in a downturn, finding the right opportunity with the right urgent pain for a customer who's willing to take action uh, is the most important thing to be able to find right now. And um, the second piece is your ICP. It'll likely change. Got it. Um, have you got any examples, uh, Tehi, of situations where companies have adapted their ICP? Right. I would say that there are two types of ways in which uh, we're seeing companies adapt their ICP. One is uh, uh, basically further refining their ICP. I think an example of this is a company of our site, which provides a better product recommendation for AI. And uh, retail is a key part of their ICP. Retail industry, obviously, right now is get, is hurting really bad. You hear about J. Crew, Neiman Marcus, and others going bankrupt. So it's a tough space. And what they found it was important for them is to further segment their retail customers into those who really want to drive e-commerce versus retail customers who just want to survive. The latter are not looking for uh, a product like Site. The second, but the first, the ones who really want to drive e-commerce find the value of uh, AI product recommendations actually be critical. And so they're actually finding more demand, more urgency within that group of customers, even though it seems like it would be a distressed sector. Um, 
Then uh, for other companies which are more broad-based and maybe have more of a horizontal solution across many different uh, uh, industries and verticals, there what we're seeing is companies just naturally excluding uh, uh, segments of distressed industries like retail or others. Yeah, this is an interesting point. Like in some cases dealing with your ICP, it may be better filtering and segmenting your existing customers to focus on some that have urgency and some that don't. Like that's more of a filtering and segmentation exercise. And, you know, in Mobile Iron in the 2009, we did the same thing. We basically decided to stop talking to financial service customers because they were struggling so much they weren't going to buy anything. But there's a second version of this that I think is important mentally to get heads around that your ICP could just fundamentally change. It could be an entire different category of people that you need to be go talking to. And this is sort of the example I gave earlier, which is that, you know, in the beginning, Mobile Iron was primarily talking to the security people around productivity. And then all of a sudden we're talking to the telecom people, which is a totally different department, totally different ICP with a totally different urgent pain. And so that there's, I don't want to accidentally just create a, uh, perception that this is just really a better customer filtering exercise. In some cases, the ICP could be somebody totally different. Um, and, uh, you know, there's actually kind of a cool example out there in the consumer world of a company, a large company that was really struggling that came up with a new urgent pain, a new ICP, which is Open Table. So, mm, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, with the restaurant shutdown, clearly Open Table is like having a rough time right now. And I got to give uh, those folks credit. They came up with a new value proposition for their product, which is help consumers make reservations for the grocery store lines. I'm like, that's awesome. What a great example of looking for an urgent pain for their customers that they weren't serving before that they could serve now that's that's uh, relevant in the current environment. So, you know, good on Open Table for coming up with an innovative idea in the middle of a rough time for them. Yeah, absolutely. I still don't get how that work, how their system works, though. But <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the the playbook itself. Um, you know, you talk a lot about the repeatable go to market playbook as a key part of go to market fit. So what happens to that in an economic downturn? Yeah. So the uh, so the third part of go-to-market fit is the go to repeatable go-to-market playbook and the wows that are in your go-to-market playbook that move customers forward. And as a quick reminder, the go-to-market playbook is how do you find and win customers over and over and over and over again? And it becomes like the operating system of your go-to-market. Well, you know, when your urgent pain changes and potentially your ICP changes uh, and go-to-market physics are changing, it has a really profound impact on this go-to-market playbook for how do you find and win customers over and over and over and over again. And the important thing to remember here is to just recognize that the go-to-market playbook is going to change and it's likely going to be different than it was before. So um, maybe let's sort of start with the wow that, you know, every go-to-market playbook, you want to try and find those wows, those things that get customers to sort of engage with you and get excited about your product and lean in to want to have another meeting or another video session. Um, if your urgent pain changes, very likely your wow is going to change. What's that feature yeah. you're going to show in a demo? And, you know, the action here for people is to refine that wow. You know, if you have a new urgent pain and a new ICP, you know, 
thinking about what is that one or two wows in your product that causes the customer to really engage. Um, you have to get really uh, crisp about what that is and what's the new one going forward. That can have changes to your product. It can change your demo. It can change what you show customers. Uh, it's a really fundamental change. Um, the second part of this is that if you just think about moving customers from stage to stage to stage, you're going to market playbook. The, the physics of go-to-market uh, are fundamentally changing right now, particularly in a shutdown. As Bob mentioned uh, uh, before, the, you know, the shutdown really is impacting how you do go-to-market because you just can't like uh, meet with customers for dinner events or even go to customers to help fix their problems if your product is not working. And so given all that, uh, what we're finding is uh, um, a new way of doing go-to-market, which leverages one commonality, which is uh, all the customers right now are working from home, accessing everything that they do over the Internet. So whether it's buying, playing, shopping, socializing, it's basically all over the Internet. And so how do you leverage now that one medium? So what seems to work really well across the board is that once you identify the new urgent pain is to come up with highly relevant content to solve today's urgent pain. The way that the content is best delivered, the best type of content is when there's a peer who is solving that urgent pain right now that uh, the person can immediately learn from. Because we're dealing with environments which there are no sort of standard workflow or process of what to do. And so people are trying to figure out, like, what is the new what? Like, for example, return to work. You know, uh, um, what is the right process for return to work uh, during a pandemic? Yeah. You know, we we don't have companies don't have a standard playbook to run. And so they're all trying different things and they're all trying to learn from their peers to learn what is the best practice right now. And so people would be very interested in trying to find this content, you know, to attend uh, uh, seminars, you know, virtual seminars, virtual events to learn how to solve this problem, which was return to work. And the awareness side of it is, is that digital and content marketing as a result is working very well. The other thing that we're finding that uh, uh, works really well today is coming up with the right pricing, packaging, and delivery. You know, understand first from a delivery standpoint, uh, you can't send someone to fix it. You know, you, you can't just send a customer service person over to the uh, IT center or data center or wherever to just fix the problem. Everything has to be fixed remotely. And so that creates a very different set of delivery. And the other is, is, uh, uh, in this environment is that because we're in an economic uh, uh, depression or recession, uh, pricing and flexibility on pricing becomes really important right now. Yeah, yeah. And can I also ask about the wow? Presumably it must be harder to judge what the wow is. You talked in the last episode about noticing things like someone's face if you show them a certain feature, or it might be that they go and get their boss to come and look at it. But because now we're doing everything online, presumably it's more difficult to find what that wow is as well. Well, the wow is ultimately what drives the next stage of the customer journey, right? Invite a boss, bring a trial, start a trial. And in a lot of ways, actually, it's easier to measure because uh, uh, it's when they want the next virtual session right. or the next you know, event together. 
you know, thank goodness for everybody doing video sales calls now because you can actually at least, you know, see people's reaction. So uh, uh, it's better in person, yeah. but you can do it remotely. The key is just make sure you're spending time with customers, talking to them, showing them things, getting feedback and watching. You know, just presuming that what your customer said six months ago still applies is sort of the, the major thing to, to get past. You know, there's another sort of interesting thing about go-to-market physics that have sort of changed lately as well, uh, that it's harder to drive leads because events, so as T said, you shift to content marketing. Um, but the other one is that communities and communities of customers are increasingly becoming important sources of sort of lead generation, education, and influence. Uh, for instance, uh, one of the startups I work with right now works with chief people officers and CPOs. And obviously, given what's going on in the economic downturn, layoffs, working from home, like, you know, a lot of chief people officers' heads are in a vice right now. And uh, this particular startup sensed the opportunity that CPOs all want to be able to talk to each other, to be able to share ideas and figure out best practices and like what's working for you that's not working for me. and so. You know, what they started to do was to create little mini CPO hub events where they would bring their customers together online into little communities to be able to talk and share ideas. And that became sort of a great, not just customer community building exercise for their existing customers, but it became a great tool to attract prospects as well and a great service to their industry. So this idea of sort of communities being a a more powerful force for lead generation and sort of an interesting alternative model for go-to-market playbooks is uh, something I've seen across a couple of companies as well. So beyond refinding go-to-market fit as a major challenge, what are the implications for startups and companies facing this new economic reality that we're now very much in? Having been through this in 2008, um, to uh, rewind back at Mobile Iron, so we raised our first round of capital in uh March of 2008, and then like 90 days later, Lehman blew up and, you know, the financial crisis hit. Uh, it is super stressful, like number one. Like, you know, when all of a sudden customer demand evaporates, capital's hard to find, like it's super stressful for startups and even larger companies that sort of thought they had it figured out. You know, it's a game changer for the business. It's really hard on the team. But at the same time, it's also an opportunity. Yeah. First key is just survive. Right. Like just, you know, the advice and you know, investors are telling this as well, that every startup needs to make sure they have at least 12 or 18 months of cash. And, uh, you know, that's a big mindset shift from like six, you know, for the last six years when capital is relatively easy. Um, but the second thing is to have a new plan. And, you know, in 2008, we had to completely redo what our go forward business plan was because we thought we we're going to do X and now we got to do Y. And, you know, we were relatively small, so it was easier. But, you know, for larger companies, they have to completely redo their ARR forecast, look for potential turning contraction, redo sales and marketing expenses. And, you know, they need to be focused around what their new zero cash date is. And, you know, it's a this is not a fun exercise. This is why some companies are having to lay off people. Like it's a really different world. And, you know, a lot of CEOs I've talked to are kind of struggling with, like, if there's a slider of change nothing to change everything, like how do they sort of decide where on that slider yeah. they are? Um, it's a tough question when you're getting sort of lots of different input. And, uh, you know, 
my advice on this that, you know, what had worked for me in the past is to just get really clear about what your goals are. So, hey, in 18 months, we believe we need to achieve A, B, and C to be able to raise the next round of capital. Get really clear about what that looks like in this new world and how long you have, and then just work backwards from there and let that, let that drive your plan. And Tehi, what about you? What do you think are the uh, major challenges for startups generally? It's consistent with Bob said, um, but I think uh, I, I would start with the fact that, you know, everyone understands that uh, uh, the economy is distressed and companies will need to change. So this is not a situation in which uh, people will be shocked that uh, uh, plans or uh, strategies will need to change. So I, I think the first thing for, that for every leader and board is to first understand that and be able to leverage it. And the, the best way to really leverage it is to first be open with the community. So uh, of employees, of customers, so forth. So they are open about, uh, they understand uh, what, what is happening. And then the second is uh, um, uh, the most critical is to have uh, a reasonably good forecast because that forecast uh, will drive the rest of the plan and everything and the ability to survive is to have a, a, a reasonable forecast. And there's a challenge because as we talked about, the physics of go-to-market has changed. You have to refine go-to-market fit. So it, it makes it much harder to forecast. But having a good forecast will make uh, um, uh, executing any plan much easier. It's like, you know, having good testing will help in, in terms of any response strategy right now. Yeah, but the good news in all of this, and, you know, look, it's a rough time right now for a lot of companies, small and large. But, um, you know, the good news here is that in many cases, great companies get built through downturns. Being able to hunker down during a downturn, conserve cash, find new urgency, refine go-to-market fit, you are setting yourself up to be ready when the market turns and comes back to be able to capitalize on it. And those companies that actually do a successful job of that are poised for spectacular growth and to be able to grow, build great companies after that versus everybody else who sort of waits till the market turns and then start. So if you look back at my experience at Mobile Iron, when we were hunkered down during 2008 and 2009, it was, it was not fun. Like we were having to really conserve cash. Customers were hard to get them to buy anything. But interestingly, there were no startups funded on our backs because of the downturn. Mm -hmm. And then we had a product and we had our early go-to-market processes figured out. So that as the market started to turn in 2010, like we were ready. We had a product, we had a repeatable go-to-market model, and we just started turning the crank. And we went from like a million dollars in ARR to 100 million in ARR in three years once the market started to turn. And so... You know, if you look back at where a lot of great companies come from in technology industry and others, like if you go back to their history, a lot of them actually were built through a downturn. So, uh, you know, when a market turns, you're ready. The other thing I would just add is that, you know, down, we'd all talk about the negative side of the downturns, which is uh, uh, less demand, layoffs, uh, uh, companies going bankrupt, so forth. But the other thing that downturn does is that it really accelerates key trends such as digital transformation. And this 
ties into the the opportunity that Bob was talking about before. Tehi Nam and Bob Tinker, thanks very much for sharing. Thanks for listening to the Survival to Thrival podcast with me, Helen Croydon, and co-authors Tehi Nam and Bob Tinker. This podcast is aimed at enterprise startup leaders. If there's someone you know who would find this podcast useful, please share it with them. Subscribe or leave a review. That's how others find us. Oh,